everybody welcome back to the podcast sometimes i say it uh, weirdly um as always we are a proud member of the pod belly network you can head over there and check out some great shows such as do it doug and breakers and head on over to podbelly.com for all your podcast podcast needs all your podcast wants and needs and desires <laughs> um yeah (laughs) so today's episode we've got another case not really missing persons but a weird true crime one so i'm gonna say it's another true crime case from the thunder bay area in northern ontario um which is what i'm sticking with doing on these episodes of the podcast so this is a weird one that I hadn't heard of until I was just doing research on unsolved mysteries or strange cases in Northern Ontario. And I stumbled across this one. And it's the case of two Finnish Canadian unionists who were murdered. Um, or maybe, maybe not, who were murdered or possibly just died. Um, but it's strange. So I'm really sorry if I butcher these names. I'm going to try my best Finnish names can be very hard. So Vilho Rosval and Jan Vutelinen. <laughs> that sounds very Ukrainian when I try and pronounce them. Um, it's Ukrainian in me coming out. They were two Finnish Canadian unionists from Thunder Bay, Ontario and members of Lumber Workers Industrial Union of Canada. And in on November 18th, 1929, they mysteriously disappeared. Their bodies were later found. Um, the two were on their way to a bush camp near Onion Lake to recruit sympathetic bush workers for a large strike that was gaining momentum west of Thunder Bay in Chabaqua and Chabandawan. The bodies of Rosval and Vutilinen were found by a union search party, which included eight Pikinen um, at Onion Lake the following spring. The men's funeral was held on April 28, 1930, and it was the largest ever held in Thunder Bay up until that point. Adding to the legendary status of the event, a solar eclipse darkened the sky as the funeral procession marched to Riverside Cemetery. The funeral events were regarded as the symbolic beginning of the Great Depression for local residents. So that's very strange. Um, I kind of want to just get into that right off the bat that there's a solar eclipse during, uh, during the funeral. And, you know, whether you believe that it had something in common to do with it or not um it's it's very strange (laughs) to think of to uh to have during a funeral procession um the official cause of death was ruled to be accidental drownings however the finnish community in thunder bay suspected that the two men were murdered by thugs employed by the bush camp boss evidence that the two men had struggled before their deaths as well as the questionable matter that the two experienced Bush, walker, bush workers had drowned in shallow water added to the feeling that foul play had to have been involved. Furthermore, some community members claimed that they gained knowledge of hired thugs, that the hired thugs were in Finland and had been shipped, shipped there after the murder. Um, so with this case, I guess there's a lot of good old-fashioned conspiracy <laughs> surrounding it. It wouldn't be the first time that there was weird stuff involved with union workers and people trying to get you know union stuff together um but this case has that so the the myth around it um and it's yeah like it is 
it is a myth. <laughs> um, in articles I was reading called it a modern day myth, but I think because the articles were written in the 30s and the 40s, that they didn't really want to say conspiracy. Um, it's more like there's a conspiracy theory around it than it's just a modern day myth. So the the conspiracy theory <laughs> behind it is that Rossball and Voltelinin were murdered by Pappy Mackey and a gang of his men at the request of the Pigeon Timber Company, which was run by local timber baron Eddie Johnson, that they were found in no more than four feet of water and one or both of them in a creek running into Onion Lake, that they had been experienced bushmen and it's very unlikely that they would have fallen through thin ice in the first place and would have had a hard time drowning in such shallow water. I mean, it, with it only being, you know, a few feet deep, they would have been able to stand up. So that's kind of, you know, strange there. Um, there's rumors that bullet wounds were discovered on their bodies, though it's not officially in the coroner's report. Um, and I guess that there's rumors that that may have been covered up as well. Um, there's, they say that there's additional marks of violence on their bodies, including broken limbs and the articles of their clothing were found in the bush near the point at which they went into the water. So you wouldn't really think that, you know, they would have taken their clothes off to go in the water in November, or if they had been ice fishing and fallen through, they wouldn't have taken their clothes off to do that. Um, and there's also evidence that Mackie had already threatened to shoot them if they came near his camp. Um, there's rumors that, you know, that the both the evidence of the bullet wounds and the broken limbs was covered up by the doctors who did the autopsy, um, that they didn't want to officially say that that was on there, that they officially just wanted to say that they drowned because they didn't, you know, want to, I guess, get on the bad side of the boss or, you know, they were possibly involved with it possibly working together I mean it's hard to see when it's you know small towns and who's you know who's got the doctors on the payrolls basically um and I'll also say part of the conspiracy that the killers were sent away you know to Finland um at the request of Pinjin Timber and you know they went they went back to Finland shortly after this happened and then also that the OPP carried out you know a very short and fast investigation into their disappearance that they didn't really, you know, do a full, a full conducted investigation. Um, the OPP is the Ontario Provincial Police. They're our provincial police body and they handle missing, missing people and death investigations like that, especially in areas that aren't in, you know, an incorporated town. So Thunder Bay would have its own police force, but then we also have provincial police that do the smaller towns in the areas um so they said that you know they didn't do a full a full proper investigation on their own um which is really hard to say because you know with it being the 20s you don't really know what you know what they did back then for police work i mean a lot of the times you you hear people joke about how they'd come into crime scene and just be like walking in the blood or be like oh mop that up that's gross you know didn't really do forensic work and who's to say when they found the bodies that, you know, they didn't just immediately pull them out, pull them out of the water. Um, there was 
pictures online that I found of the bodies, which is kind of gross. Um, I'm not a fan of seeing dead bodies, but they showed them right after they were taken out of the water. Um, with it being cold, they're you know they're pretty pretty well preserved in the water, so there would have still been evidence on them, um, especially if there had been bullet wounds or you know possibly other evidence of a struggle, evidence of a fight that they got into with someone else, and then you know at at autopsy time. That is something that the coroner, you know, would have would have been able to see and should have did work on and included in his report. So, who's to say that they weren't, you know, a part of a part of some conspiracy? Um, there's also a pretty a pretty big history of union men getting disappeared. <laughs> so I don't think it's that big of a reach that you know that they met with foul play. Um, for what they were trying to accomplish, trying to gain support for a big strike. There's, you know, always pushback against unions, um, especially in big, like, lumber mills. They probably don't want their workers to unionize. They don't want them to have rights or realize that they have rights. So, you know, it's, it's not that hard to think that they would have been killed because of that, that they knew they were coming and they would have just killed them even if they didn't shoot them you know they could have easily just got the drop on them and hit them over the head and threw them in the water and without proper autopsy reports it's kind of kind of really hard to say um so the case i mean it continues to be controversial and the th the other crazy thing is in there's a plaque erected so um ontario historical Society erected a plaque um, to commemorate Rossball and Votilinen um, and their role in Ontario's heritage. So the plaque was erected in the memory of the two men in Centennial Park in Thunder Bay, which has a small logging museum and is located approximately 20 kilometers downstream on Current River, which flows out of Onion Lake where the bodies were found. And the plaque itself reads, On November 18th, 1929, Finnish Canadians Vilhol Rossball and Jan Votilinen um, left the Port Arthur area for, for Onion Lake, 20 kilometers upstream from here, to recruit bush workers for a strike. Their bodies were found at Onion Lake the following spring. Local unionists and many Finnish Canadians suspected foul play, but the coroner's juries ruled the death accidental drowning. The two men's funeral on April 28, 1930, is remembered as the largest ever held in Port Arthur as thousands of mourners March to Riverside Cemetery, an eclipse of the sun darkened the sky. The mystery surrounding the deaths of Rossball and Voltolin endures, sustaining them in public memory as martyrs to the cause of organized labor. So even even the Ontario government, you know, wanted to recognize that what they were doing was something that was good, that they were trying to organize, um, organize union workers, organize workers, just show that they have rights and you know they whether they drowned accidentally or whether they were murdered that they still needed to be recognized as martyrs for the cause um because of you know it's a big thing having unions so that's a very a very strange one um like i said there was pictures online unfortunately which are not very nice to look at um maybe i'm just getting like sensitive as I get older I remember oh god I used to go to like rotten.com and stuff and look at horrible pictures and now it's like I I don't want to see that why would I want to see that um 
so yeah even like the articles I found were by the Thunder Bay Museum um, and on on our website here so they are pretty important figures there's a very large Finnish population at Thunder Bay it's it's weird there's a lot of Finnish people and there's a lot of Ukrainian people and a lot of Italian people that basically make up Thunder Bay um, and the Finnish people I mean they obviously you know wanted them recognized and the and the province wanted them recognized for for their work and their efforts so you know that's that's a very good thing um, that they have their plaque and that they are recognized and it's very sad what happened to them and who knows what would have came if they had actually managed to get it done to get more more workers on their side and increase the strike and you know I'm I'm curious I didn't really come across what happened to the strike and investigating this but they're you know I, I wonder what would have happened if they had managed to get more workers on their side and organized it and you know where that could have led this part of the province as far as the timber industry and and the unions so there's another uh, another true crime ones in the book for the podcast so hopefully you found it interesting um i'm trying to find more of these sort of local ones local mysteries that aren't really really that famous um so hopefully like i said you enjoyed it um as well if you want to check us out on patreon you can be like Artie, Artie allen and you know be a be a patreon sponsor and we're going to start doing bonus episodes it's weird i keep saying we but it's literally just me doing this podcast by myself <laughs> no one else does it no one produces or edits or does anything i literally do it all myself um and this season i'm not even having guests so it really it really is just me and not we um but I'm going to have bonus episodes soon. So there's going to be a bonus one for June for this month. And, you know, if you want to get access to that, head on over to patreon.com. So, you know, check us out there as well. And like I said, hopefully you found this interesting. And if you do have any, you know, recommendations for upcoming shows, even if they aren't Northern Ontario ones, I can put them in the queue for, for next season for a future episode. Um, so be sure to reach out on social media. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast apps. Just look for the podcast. And as well, the Podbelly Network. Check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants. And you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else, you know, for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet. 